Well, would you open in your Bibles tonight to Proverbs chapter 4. We've been speaking on Friday nights on the subject of the wisdom of God. And I got really excited this afternoon because I saw something that God, uh, why the Lord led us to do it, not all of it, but a portion of why he led us to do it and what's going on. It's exciting. God has heard our prayer. And is answering our prayers. You'll see more what I'm talking about as we go on. But God is so good to us. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Proverbs 4. Are you there? Verse 5. Proverbs 4 verse 5. What's the first word? Get wisdom. What is get? Is it an action word? Hmm? If somebody says, get it, do you just sit on the couch and get it? Huh? If somebody hollers from the kitchen, come and get it. Huh? What do you do? You just lay on the sofa and go, I believe I get it. I believe I get it. Nah, <laughs> you get up and you go and you... Lay hold and appropriate and get it. What do you say get? Get your wisdom. Get your understanding. Don't forget it. Don't decline from the words of my mouth, he said. Forsake her not and she shall preserve you. What will preserve you? Wisdom. Love her and she shall keep you. What will keep you? Wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Is wisdom a main thing? Is it an important thing? Very important. Therefore, what? Because it's so vital, get wisdom. And with all your getting, get understanding. What's the uh, recurring thought here? Get it. Get it. So are we waiting on God? No. No. You know, the Lord couldn't tell us, get it, if he hadn't given it to us yet. Right? Right? We'd be waiting on him until he gave it. Then we could get it. (laughs) Now, that's true concerning so many things. So many folks, you know, there are people in the world believe they're waiting on God to save them. Well, if God, you know, some God's predestined to be saved and some he's predestined not to. and, And if God sees fit, are they really waiting on him to save them? No, Jesus already paid the price. He's already took our sins. He's the Savior of all the world. Right? So uh, what's really the holdup? He's waiting on them to come get it. Right? Come receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. Come receive. Be born again. Not waiting on God. And the same thing is true about healing and being filled with the Spirit and our prosperity and our wisdom. We're not just to sit and say, well, Lord, we're waiting on you. I hope one of these days you'll give me some wisdom. No, it's given to us. We're to lay hold of it. And how would you get any of these things? You get it by faith, which means you don't wait till you feel wise. And you don't wait till you look wise. And everybody's saying, whoo, you wise. No, you believe you receive the wisdom of God and that he's leading you into more wisdom when you've done some dumb stuff. 
And you get up from the third mistake and you go, I don't care. None of these things move me. Jesus has been made unto me wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And I have the mind of Christ. And the Spirit of the Lord's on me. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might. And He makes me a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. You got to talk like that when it doesn't look like that and doesn't feel like that in every area. And that's one big way how you get your wisdom and your understanding. Well, we've gone over a number of things. We've talked about how that you've got to desire wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is crying out in the streets. Come here, simpleton, and let me help you out. And we read later in the same book of Proverbs that we have to lift up our voice and hunger and desire and cry after wisdom. We saw James told us, any of you lack wisdom, ask for it. Ask for it. But he said, not wavering. you got to ask in faith, believing that you receive, like we just got through talking about. We saw where you've got to uh, watch your mouth is a big part of growing and developing in wisdom. If you talk how dumb you are and how you're losing your memory and how the older you get you can't remember anything, your words are against God's words for you. Did you hear me? And you're dulling your own self. There's absolutely no reason for you to get duller as you get older. Now, you know, your body's not going to be, if you're 80 years old, your body's not going to be like it was when it's 18. You can still have health, but you are to be quicker and brighter and sharper with more wisdom in the inner man than you ever were. Because though the outward man is growing older and decaying, the inward man does not grow older. It is being renewed day by day. Are you with me now? The older you get, the more brilliant you're supposed to be. I wish everybody believed that tonight. I mean, you you know, like I said, you might not be able to run a race when you're 80 like you did when you're 18 because your body's growing older. But inside... Inside, you're supposed to be stronger mentally, stronger spiritually. Did you hear me? See, your mind is not a part of your physical being. I said, well, yeah, Brother Keith, the brain. The brain is not the mind. If your brain was surgically removed, you'd still have your mind. You'd still be you. Now, apart from a miracle, you couldn't express yourself in this physical realm. But you'd still be you. How many remember what Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus? Remember that? Lazarus died. And he was carried to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died. And he lifted up his eyes in hell. Now at this point, Both men's bodies are buried somewhere on the earth. Is that right? But now we see after the funerals. Lazarus says to Abraham, would you let Lazarus, excuse me, the rich man calls to Abraham, would you let Lazarus come over and bring some water? And Abraham says to him, son, remember in your lifetime. 
They're remembering things in their life. Their mind, their feelings, their soul are intact. They're not somebody else. They didn't turn into somebody else. Are you with me? No. I'm just saying your mind is not a part of your physical being. So why should age affect your mind? See, the devil has sold people a bill of goods. And what they do is they start talking like the world around about them. And well, I'm getting old now and I can't remember anything. And your words, if you believe it and you say it, it begins to happen in you. And the expectations begin to drop. Are y'all with me now? I say, well, now, Brother Keith, you just wait. You just wait. And you see, when you get older, no, no, no. I've had aunts who were 103 and could sit down without a piece of paper and rattle off the family tree from generations back. I worked with a man, 20-some years, called Kenneth Hagin. And at 85 years of age, he'd begin to quote, you know, that 30 years and 40 years ago, a certain date, was on a Tuesday and described things. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? No. See, this is a bunch of junk that as you get older, you fade mentally. It's a lie. Don't believe it. The inward man is renewed day by day. And in my spirit, I'm just getting stronger and better and sharper. Right? And that will never stop. Long as I live. And then when I get out of here. I really take off. You too? That's what I thought. So wisdom. Is to be a progressive thing in us. To just get stronger and stronger. More knowledge of God. More understanding. More wisdom. Every month. Every year. As long as we live. We ought to be worth more to the body of Christ. The older we get. Right? Worth more. Don't you let the devil sell you. That you just get old. And you'll be a liability. You're supposed to be a treasure. Who am I preaching to? (laughs) You're supposed to be a treasure. Right? You're supposed to be more and more valuable to your family, your friends, your church, your God, the older you get. Why? Because you're wiser, have more understanding, have more knowledge. And it's one thing the enemy tries to do. People who are growing in God, he tries to take them out prematurely before they can pass this on to the next generation. Because if each generation starts over from scratch, you don't progress. But each new generation is supposed to build on what the previous generation has found and learned. And the elders, how many know the New Testament says the elders are to teach the younger. Is that right? You're supposed to pass on what God has shown me and what I've learned by walking with God. And then you just take off from there and step up and each generation is supposed to go up higher. Well, make up your mind. You're going to get your wisdom. You're going to get your understanding. You're going to walk in it. You're going to pass it on, right? 
So we talked about that, and we've been talking the last couple of weeks about how that if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise yourself. But if you hang out with fools, you'll get a fool's payday. You'll be destroyed, is what the scripture said. And we went into some detail about how God, having said this, and this is the way he operates, he sets up connections and relationships for you with people that are wiser than you. And you're supposed to learn and glean. And if you do, you walk with wise men and godly people and men and women. You will grow and become wiser and more godly yourself. The devil knows this, so he's out to separate you from the people God would have you join to. And if you're real immature and wear your feelings on your sleeve and any little thing offends you and you get miffed and you run and leave everywhere God sends you, well, then you will never grow up. I said, you will never mature and you'll never grow up. And the body of Christ is full of this. People who've been born again for decades and they're still infants spiritually. Why? Because they have not stuck it out and stayed where God told them and stayed hooked to who and what God hooked them to because it is vital to our development. Go with me real quickly to 1 Peter. The fifth chapter, and let me just clarify this before I go to the next thing. First Peter. This is a one of the New Testament prayers. This is a prayer. And if you've heard much about this or read your Bible carefully, then you know that places like Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 and Philippians 1 and different places there are prayers where the Spirit of God inspired the writer to pray for the people. And to pray for yourself. Well, I, years ago I found out about that. And I started going through and praying these prayers for myself. Just on a regular basis. And I marked them as I read in the scripture. And this is a prayer I marked. And uh, a lot of times I wouldn't want to pray all of that. When I'd get to it. But i say, hey, it's the word. So I'd pray it. And it's First Peter 5.10. And you'll see why I say it. It's what we were just talking about. He said First Peter 5.10, but the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. How do you become matured, perfected? Established, strengthened, and settled. We'll see why I didn't, I wasn't too quick to pray about that. I mean, because, you know, I'm thinking, well, we don't believe in suffering. (laughs) Well, you have to if you believe the Bible. But the thing is, don't just fill in the blanks. What kind of suffering is he talking about? And if you'll back up and start at the first chapter of this book and read through, you'll see again and again he's talking about submission. And the example is the Lord Jesus. That though he were a son, the Bible says, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. Well, if you read the passage, it talks about how he cried out. With strong crying and tears. And it paints the picture of the Garden of Gethsemane. 
Well, at the Garden of Gethsemane, he's not suffering being broke. He's not suffering sickness and disease. What's causing him to suffer like this? Listen to the prayer. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Was he suffering? Intensely. What was he suffering? He was crucifying his own flesh. And having crucified his flesh, his own self, in the garden, he could go to the cross and let him crucify his body. Was that easy? No, it wasn't easy. Is he your example? Are you called to do this? Well, how does that apply to you? Well, it applies when God puts you somewhere and then you get uncomfortable and you want to leave or vice versa. He tells you to go and you want to stay. There will be times in life, did you hear me, where you run up against something that you just after the natural, you don't want to do it. And a whole lot of people though, they just, if it gets hot in the kitchen, They get out the kitchen. And if you do, you will not be perfected. You will not be strengthened. You will not be established. You will not be settled. But if you stay put. (laughs) There's been some times in my life. It was so uncomfortable. It was such pressure in some situations that I come and fell across the bed at night. And I said, God, I'm putting in a request for a transfer. Let me do something else. Let me, let me go somewhere else. Let me, but if you're submitted and you're a good soldier to the captain of your salvation, then you'll admit that many times the request comes back denied. denied. <laughs> now, we're going to see what you are. Is Jesus your Lord? Are you just do what you want to do when you want to do it? Well, for those that'll stick it out. Yeah. I said those that'll stick it out. And submit to the will of God. And stay hooked to who and what the Lord tells them to for as long as he tells them to. What will happen? After that you've suffered a while. You'll be perfected. You'll be established. You'll be strengthened. You'll be settled. You'll be mature. You'll be a growing and grown son and daughter of God. And little things won't shake you. Because you've been through some big things. Did you hear me now? And God can count on you. And you'll be promoted. You'll grow up. Now go back with me. We're talking about wisdom. And of course this is wisdom. So I'm about to plan a God. But go with me over to the book of Daniel please. We're going to see a number of things. Because I would like for us tonight to talk about the wisdom of Daniel. Daniel's wisdom. Of course, Daniel's wisdom is God's wisdom that God put in Daniel. But the Bible uses this phrase talking about somebody that was extremely wise. And he said to them that they're wiser than Daniel. He used Daniel as a standard of wisdom. Daniel is held up like Solomon in these areas. And we have the thing about this, uh, you know, we have... 
one instance where Solomon was in judgment and they brought the two uh, prostitutes that had the child and there was the question about it and you saw the wisdom there. But you don't see a whole lot other. But in Daniel, you see several situations where the wisdom of God was manifested. I want us to examine it. And as we do, I'm convinced this will come into us. And we'll be able to handle situations like he did. And get answers like he did. Because we've got the same God. Is that right? Same God. Same wisdom. And God told us. It's not like we're waiting on him to decide if he wants us to have it or not. He told us, get it. So here we are. Getting it. (laughs) Right? In Daniel, the first chapter, let's just start reading. Daniel chapter 1. Verse 3, the king spoke to Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs. This is King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And they came in and conquered Judah and besieged Jerusalem and took all the people and conquered the people of God because they weren't serving God. And he told them to bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and princes. Verse 4. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, and what? Now see, we've found that that is the literal definition of wisdom, haven't we? Skillful. And here it is, a confirmation of it. Skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Let me say something here. Don't draw a hard line between education and godliness. Some people have kind of acted like, well, all, you know, all book knowledge and all that kind of stuff, that's not godly and that's just over the world. No, all true knowledge is of God. It doesn't have to have Bible scriptures in it. Did you hear me? It can be about mechanics. It can be about horticulture it can be about the atmosphere but if somebody really knows something and it's true it came from God and it's good I said it's good learn all you can but just have enough of the word of God in you that when somebody tries to teach you something contrary to the Bible that's where you draw the line you say no 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 I don't care what how scientific you say that is no if it contradicts this it can't be right right It is not true science. It's false science. Solomon asked for wisdom. We studied this. And God gave him wisdom. The Bible talked about wonderful wisdom. And the scripture said Solomon, he wrote all the thousands of proverbs and multiple thousands of songs. And the Bible said Solomon talked about animals And he talked about trees. He talked about the vine that sprung out of the crack on the wall to the cedar and everything in between. What does that have to do with being wise? Everything. The wisdom of God is revealed in his creation. Do you see this? And there's some things the Lord would teach you that's not between the covers of this book. He could lead you to read books on trees. 
Oh boy, we're having some fun. Oh, Brother Keith, listen. Who created trees? Who created flowers? Who created fish and animals? His wisdom is in them. Right? It took his wisdom to make them. And if you understand a fish, you understand something about God. You understand a bird, you understand something about God. You understand a flower or a tree. His wisdom is in his creation. Can you say amen? So uh, be watchful about what you declare natural. This is natural and God's not in it and this is spiritual. Oh, no, no, no. Let God teach you. I know I've, when it was first going on and I started learning about flying, I thought I do not have time for this. <laughs> this is just too much study and too much time. And I'd get through with one phase of it and I think, well, I'll take a break now and the Lord will deal with me. No, keep going. You're going to be behind. If you don't, keep going. And so I'd go to the next phase and the next phase. And sometimes I'd just think, well, what am I doing? I'm a preacher. <laughs> but there were several things going on. One thing is what happened yesterday evening. Us being able to be in meetings like that and preach to the church and go here and go there and not be worn out. and That was one thing. And not having to wait on anybody. Being in control. But another thing in learning about power and learning about lift and learning about the atmosphere. You learn about God. Right? I mean, every time I pop up through a cloud doing 400 miles an hour and see a sunset, you think I don't think about God? God's everywhere. There He is. He's in the power of that jet engine. He's in the speed of that plane. He's in the beauty of that sunrise. He's in the wind under those wings. His wisdom. Nobody ever made anything good without the wisdom of God. There is no good creation. Anything that's a good tool and is helping us and making our life better, the wisdom of it came out of God. People take it and abuse it and use it for things they ought not to, but the wisdom came out of God. Aren't you thankful for it? Well, so see, he told him to look for these guys that had wisdom and skill in science and understanding and knowledge and ability. And so you know that they picked out verse 6 out of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. And verse 8, now, now get this, we begin to see the wisdom of God manifested right off the bat. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. So he requested, everybody say requested. This is how it starts, of the prince of the eunuchs, that he might not defile himself. Now, they were told the diet that God had given them, and eat this and don't eat this, and this is clean, and this is not clean. And here he shows up in the king's palace, and who knows what all they got. They worship false gods. They got blood pies, and they got all kind of stuff. And he said, you know, he purposed in himself, I can't contradict the word of God I can't do this but now here's the thing how did he approach it let's learn wisdom now because the Bible holds Daniel up as a standard of wisdom 
First of all, he requested. Everybody say request. Now, request is different from demand. Isn't it? Notice the first thing he didn't do is start stomping his feet saying, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. You can't make me. I ain't eating it. I'm holy. And the word of God says you can't do it. And I ain't doing it. (laughs) What is that? That is not wisdom. He is a captive in a foreign land. Under foreign government. They could kill him as quick as they could promote him to something. Right? Hold your place here. Go to James. We've read this, but let's read it again. James, the third chapter. He talked about devilish wisdom in verse 15. And it connected with devilish wisdom. Verse 14, you see bitterness and envying and strife. Bitter, bitter envying. Strife. I don't care how smart it sounds to someone's mind. If you can sense that bitterness and that jealousy and that envy. And if you sense that tension and that strife, it ain't godly wisdom. Don't care how brilliant it sounds to the mind, God's wisdom doesn't come like that. He said, verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first, what? It's pure, it's clean, and what else? It's peaceable, and it's gentle, and it's easy to talk to, and ask a question of... It's easy to deal with. Somebody say easy to deal with. Easy to deal with. Easy to to get along with. Full of mercy. One translation said compassion. And good fruits. Without partiality. Plays no favorites. And without hypocrisy. No deception. Honest. I'm stirred up and so glad that I can see clearer than ever. Here are the identifiers of God's wisdom when it comes to me. I can tell by the spirit of it and by how it comes. Whether this is wisdom coming to me from God. Or whether it's ungodly counsel coming trying to steer me the wrong way. Right? Listen to another translation of this. I believe this is the, uh, yeah, the Amplified. It says the wisdom from above is first of all pure, then it is peace-loving, it's courteous. Everybody say courteous. Courteous. See, this is how God is. Courteous. Considerate. Gentle. Willing to yield to reason. It's another way of saying you can talk to it. Right? Right? See, people that get so adamant and hardened and you can't talk to them and they won't even listen to anything. That's not godly wisdom. Full of compassion. Good fruits. Wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and unfeigned, free from doubts, wavering and insincerity. That's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. So going back to Daniel now, 
You see how he comes across with this. Is he serious about this in his heart? How many think Daniel was very serious about not defiling himself with the king's stuff? He purposed in himself. He's just a young man, but we can see later on his life. I mean, he didn't change and bow when they put him in the lion's den. Right? When Daniel purposes something, I think this young man would have died over this. Are y'all with me? I think he would have chosen death rather than defile himself in his mind, and it was true, violate his covenant in God. But he did not start out stamping his feet and decreeing what he is and is not going to do. He did not start out stomping his feet saying, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. You can't make me do it. That's a fool. A fool who doesn't know where they are. A fool who doesn't know their position and their circumstance. And a fool who's not relying on God to show them what to do and how to do it. What does he do? Everybody say request. He requests of him. Verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into what? Favor and tender love with the prince of eunuchs. This is before he ever asks him the question. Wonder why this? Why? A couple of things. One thing, Daniel's a praying man. Right? Three times a day. Every day, don't you suppose, when they snatched these young guys up away from their home and everybody else and they hauled them into there, don't you suppose they prayed? God have mercy on us. Help us to get the right people. Give us favor with these people. Right? And not only that, how many know that how you act makes a lot of difference? As to whether somebody's, you know, heart's inclined towards you. So their actions followed up their prayers. And you can see by his nature, we've already seen by the wisdom of God, if the wisdom of God is flowing in him, and we know it was, was he pure? Was he gentle, peaceable, and gentle, and easy to be entreated and talked to and get along with? Was he courteous, and no respecter of persons, and impartial, and not hypocritical? Was he sincere? Well, just being that way will cause people to like you. Right? Plus, you got God dealing with them to show you favor, and then you act like that. You're going to have favor when you come in. Did you know you can pray and ask God to give you favor, and Him start working on somebody days or weeks before you even have to deal with them? And then you show up and act like a heathen and undo the whole deal? It's happened many times. Did you know that? God can be dealing with them and they don't even know why. But they just think about you the day before you got there. And they just like you and they just feel like they want to do something for you. And they don't even know why. But you're having a bad day. Your car didn't start. and Somebody didn't treat you right on the job. And somebody yelled at you in traffic. And, and you just ain't having a good day. And you just show up demanding 
Did you hear me? You show up demanding and adamant about what you are going to do and what you ain't going to do. And then just say, forget that. I was going to do this, but forget them. It's happened too many times to count. Your conduct has to follow up and agree with your prayer. And obviously this was happening with Daniel. And he shows up. And before he ever gets there, he says, could I talk to you? And the man says, sure you can. Daniel, come on in here. Y'all hold everything. Right? He's got favor with the man before he ever opens his mouth. And here's what he says. Uh, you know, he had asked him about, would you allow me? He requested. Got to go back up to verse 8 there. He requested of him that he might not defile himself. Would you allow me? Did you hear this now? Request. Would you allow me? Does it make a difference whether you tell somebody something or whether you ask them? So huge. He said, would you allow me to have a different diet and not eat these blood puddings and all this stuff? And, and of course, we, you know, we don't eat this meat and that meat. And would you? And the Bible said the prince of the eunuchs, he already liked, he had all this favor he was ready to show towards him. But he said, Daniel, he said, man, I'm scared of the king. He's the one who told me. What you had to eat and drink. And what if he comes in and sees you. And you look a little pale. Or a little thin. And then he asks me. Have I been feeding you what he told me to feed you. You'll make me endanger my head to the king. I mean he could kill me over this. And Daniel said. Well I don't care I'm a believer. And I can't eat it. And if the word says I can't eat it. Then I can't eat it. And I am not eating it. Do y'all see this now? Is there wisdom for this situation? Well, it ain't stomping your feet and acting on your feelings and ranting and raving. How many believe Daniel prayed before he went in there? Did he ask God for wisdom before he went in there? Was he looking for it? And here it is. Verse 11. Daniel said to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, He said, uh, prove your servants. I beseech thee. What does I beseech you mean? Man, this is very humble terminology. I beseech you ten days. Let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as you see, deal with your servants. Now let me read this to you from another translation. He said in this translation, he said, please, everybody say please. Please. This is the uh, NAS. Please, say that out loud again. Say it again. Say it again. Say it three more times. Please, please, please. There's some folk hadn't said that in so long, it seems like a foreign word to them. Let's try it again. Please. Look at somebody on purpose and say, please, 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 please test us for 10 days 
What is this? This is the wisdom of God. For this, I see, with a lot of people, foolish, this would have been over. You understand? He looked at him and said, I can't do it. The king has told me what to do, and I can't change it. I can't do it. Because what if he comes and sees you? And Daniel said, uh, yeah, I know, I know. And I don't want you to get in trouble. But please, could you give us ten days? Just ten days. I mean, in that length of time, it shouldn't be any major things happen. And test us. You check us out. And if you don't see it working, then, you know, you do what you need to do. But uh, just give us vegetables and water for ten days. Please, could you do that? And what happened? He consented. And then when he let them do it, God moved on them so strong that man, just in 10 days time, they were healthier and roser cheeks and peppier. And he said, well, great, good, forget it. Just eat what you want to eat. Right? See, so many times people are so adamant and so pushy and so demanding and doesn't let God give them wisdom to give the opportunity to let God demonstrate himself. You don't have to push something off on somebody. Just say, hey, look, you know, I understand. Let us do this. In your mind, you know, try it. And no cost to you. And see what the Lord does. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. The wisdom that is from above, the wisdom of God, is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Right? Can you see the nature here? Let's go on to another one. I mean, it happened again not long after this. You're there in Daniel 1. Go on over to Daniel 2. I mean, not long after this. The king had a dream. And he saw this great, you know, the statue of gold and silver and brass and iron and clay. But he couldn't remember it when he woke up. He couldn't remember the dream. And man, it was bugging him. And he called all the magicians and astrologers and soothsayers and asked them about it. Tell me the dream. They said, we can't. And he said, no, I said, tell me the dream. And then I know you can interpret it. If you can tell me the dream, I'd believe you could interpret it. And they said, no king, ask any soothsayer or astrologer to do that. It can't be done. That kind of knowledge is not among men. Boy, they made him mad. And he made a decree that all the so-called wise men throughout that whole city be killed. Now, well, Daniel was one of the wise men, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're some of the wise men. So here comes the guards to get them and the prince leading them. And the Bible said in Daniel 2, Verse 13, verse 12, let's read. For this cause the king was angry and very furious. And he commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. They're coming to get them now for what? To kill them now. Then Daniel answered with fear and trembling. Hmm? 
with anger because it wasn't right. You wonder if he had any of those feelings? He hadn't done anything but help them. He's at his home. Haven't taken a nap. He hadn't bothered anybody. Hadn't done anything. And they're going to show up and kill you? For what? Somebody said, it ain't fair. It ain't, yeah, and while you're hollering it ain't fair, you die. Do you see, so many of the responses that people give are not wisdom. It's flesh, it's feeling, it's foolishness. When there is wisdom, what to do in the situation. Now the king is what? What's his condition? He's furious. Now is it a good idea when somebody's furious for you to jump in there and get furious too? Well, I can get just as mad as you. And I can shout just as loud as you. Now just look straight ahead. Don't look around. Just You pitch a fit, I can pitch a bigger one. Right? That's a fool. I said, that's a fool. You ever been in, don't raise your hand now. You ever been in a situation like that? And it just escalated and it got worse and worse and worse. Why? Could you sense strife? And the Bible said, when that kind of thing is there, every evil work, it's the manifestation of the devil going on. And sometimes people are thinking of all kinds of clever and stinging things to say. It's wisdom. But it ain't from God. It's devilish, earthly. Have you ever noticed, don't raise your hand now, but you ever been in a situation and it got to be a heated discussion? And it really heated up and got more intense. And while you're talking, you begin to think of things you hadn't thought of in years. I mean, it's just like it flows to you. It's like you're inspired. Because you are. But it ain't God. And you think of all these witty ways and clever ways. And no, I can catch you on that side. You think you got me now, but how about this? Yeah. You forgot this. It's wisdom. But it's devilish. Because the wisdom from God is pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. No partiality, no hypocrisy, good fruits, right? We're learning something here, aren't we? So if you're able to respond in wisdom, how do you respond? Doesn't make any difference what you feel, how scared you are, how mad you are, right? Makes no difference what, how hurt you are. A wise man or woman doesn't just spout that. They begin to pray. They begin to look on the inside. Lord, show me what to do on this now. I don't know what to do, but I know you do. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. So here we are. Daniel answered. I mean, this is a life and death situation. He answered how? Verse 14. Daniel 2.14. He answered how? With counsel and wisdom. To Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was going forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. They didn't come there to talk about it, you understand. They come there to do it. And he said to Arioch, the king's captain, 
Y'all can't do this. You can't do this. It ain't right. You can't do this. No, what's wisdom? He just comes and says, why so hasty? Why so hasty? What's wrong? Why did the king order this so hasty? And Ariot stopped and explained it to him. Instead of cutting him. How many know in every situation there's a right thing to say, there's a right question to ask that will diffuse the tension, right? Jesus is at the well. Remember that? This woman is full of prejudice against his kind and assumes he is. So what does he do? He didn't quote scriptures to her. He didn't say any talk about politics or racism. Or He said, uh, could you give me a big drink of that water? And man, it caught her off guard. But she said, huh? <laughs> Jews and Samaritans don't have dealings with each other. And one translation says they don't drink out of the same cups. There's a lot of racism going on here. And... Uh, he said, yeah, I'd really enjoy it if you'd give me a big old that. Your cup is just fine. Yeah, I'd like to. Well, that caught her off guard. And you see, as he went through the situation, it opened up the whole thing to her for her to get saved and go back and be a witness to her whole city. Is that right? In every situation, there's a right thing to say. And there's a right question to ask. People might already be pent up and aggravated and already judged you or made a decision. But instead of you jumping in there in the middle of it with them, there is a thing God would give you to say that would just, they're all ready to be mad and fight, but they have to go, huh? <laughs> and stop and talk to you about it. And next thing you know, y'all sit down and have some tea and keep talking about it and so how'd you like each other? And what was I thinking about? And what is that? What is that? That's the wisdom of God. And he meets him at the door. And he says, uh, you know, Captain Ariok, why is the king so mad? Why was it so hasty? And Ariok says, sit down here. <laughs> he had this dream, Daniel. And, and man, he called everybody in and they couldn't interpret it. And. He got so mad and then some of them nincompoops piped up and said, well, there ain't no king on earth that asked us to do anything. And man, that's when top blew. And he said, kill them all. And <laughs> now look, <laughs> verse, now, now verse 16 tells you what happened. But what happened is Daniel, now this is the wisdom of God. Nobody is wanting to do this, but he does it. Daniel says, Arioch, I know you sent here to kill me. He said, but I would like to go into the king myself and talk to him about this. Well, ain't nobody wanting to see the king. <laughs> he is furious. Now, here's wisdom, too. In a lot of situations, don't deal with the middleman. This was wisdom for here. He went straight to the top. Now, a lot of people 
You know, all these other guys, they're too scared. They don't want to be in there. They figure they get speared on sight. In other words, why are you in here? You're supposed to be dead. But Daniel came in before this furious king with such grace and such purity and such gentleness. Oh, can you see it? And such wisdom that he said, oh, king, would you give me some time? And we'll come back and tell you the dream. And we'll tell you the interpretation of it too. Nobody said anything like that. What is this? This wisdom, but it's faith. Is right, right? How are they going to tell it? Where's he going to get it? And the king said, all right, you got till morning or you got till 10 o'clock or what? All right, this is favor. This is great. Why? Because he's supposed to already be dead. And he comes back home to the apartment and Shadrach, Meshach, and Amiga. He said, boys, we got to pray. We got to pray now. <laughs> and they hit it and they got to praying and they got to praying and they got to praying. And he fell off to sleep, probably fatigued. And God showed him the whole thing in a dream and what it meant. Don't you know they felt good when they got up the next morning? He said, boys, I got it. I got it. I got it. And they went to the king and they let him know he was there. And they came in and told him the whole thing from beginning to end. And what did the king say? He said, among other things, down look in verse 20. Daniel began to say he gives wisdom to the wise. And he told the whole thing. And when he got through, uh, Daniel was made in verse 48. A great man and given all these gifts and set over the other wise men. And the Bible said uh, in the fifth chapter, just flip over a little bit, to some of the king's words later concerning this. When Daniel revealed another secret, God gave him more wisdom. He said in verse 14 of chapter 5, he said, I have heard of you, the king said concerning Daniel, that the spirit of the gods is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in you. Now back up to verse 12. They had said this about him prior to him saying this. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding and interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. Now, don't you notice that phrase, excellent spirit? Said out loud, excellent spirit. Excellent. See, he said it again in verse 14, excellent spirit. Wisdom, said out loud, excellent. 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 Now skip down to the sixth chapter, you see it again. After a complete change in government, there's a whole new government in now. Verse 3, 6, 3, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. 
Now, see, we, if you've read the scriptures in Proverbs, you've seen where the wisdom will promote you. Wisdom will cause you to live long and have riches and have favor, right? Yes, You're seeing it in his life. Yes, the wisdom of God. But here it's called excellent. Excellent wisdom, excellent spirit. The spirit of excellence you hear people talk about is the spirit of wisdom. The two cannot be separated. The spirit of excellence that people call, what is it? It's the spirit of God, but it's a specific manifestation of the spirit of God in the spirit of wisdom. Uh, let me give you the definition for excellent. Excellent in these definitions of the original words, it means exceeding. It means above and beyond superior. Exceeding, above and beyond. You and I have prayed in this church numerous times. We've stirred ourselves up and thought, Lord, we want to represent you right. Anybody with me on this now? We want, and we've used these words, we want to excel, right? At hospitality, at love, at faith. We want to represent you right, right? God has heard our prayer. Because the way you do it is with wisdom. Did you hear me? What people have thought, well, doing things with excellence is just doing the very best you know how. No. Because the very best way, most of the time, you don't know. And if all you do continually is the best you know how, well, we're just doing the best we know how. Just doing the best we can do. Well, most of the time, it don't cut it. It ain't good enough. The best you and I know how. Oh, but that doesn't mean that's the end of it. That's not the limitation. There's someone inside of us. The spirit of God. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of excellence. And he will show us the more excellent way. He will show us the higher, superior way to do it. And this will be our response again and again. It has been mine. When you see and you had never thought of doing it that way. And you looked and looked and nothing was the answer. But this is the answer. This fixes it. This works. And you look up and go, excellent. (laughs) This is excellent. This is the spirit of excellence. What? God's way. God's superior way. You got man's ways and the world's ways and the flesh ways and then you got God's ways that are higher than that. Can you say amen? Amen. But that doesn't mean we can't get them. We can get them. That's what he told us. Get it. Get it. Get the higher way. Get the superior way. Get the better way. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. Let me read you a couple of scriptures and then we'll be done. The Bible said, 
Proverbs 17, 27. Don't turn there. I'm just going to read these quickly. Proverbs 17, 27. He that has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Now, one thing I didn't understand until today. Some translations will say, cool. But now, do you see it? Was Daniel cool? Was he cool under fire? Was he cool under every situation? Was he also of an excellent spirit? Yeah. A man or woman of understanding is of a cool, excellent, wise spirit. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. Ecclesiastes 2.13, 2.13 of Ecclesiastes says, Wisdom excels folly as far as light excels darkness. Glory to God. Isaiah 28, 29. There's a lot of these, but I'm just going to give you a few. Isaiah 28, 29. He says, this comes from the Lord, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in his workings. Somebody say, he's excellent. He's excellent. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians, New Testament, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that the excellency of the power might be shown to be of God. And not of us. It's just supposed to be happening all the time. That people look at us and what God shows us to do. And how he shows us to do it. And they think. Excellent. It's excellent. How did you think of that? Now, here's where you don't say the wrong thing. Hmm? Man, you got that business humming like a fine watch. Oh, your people are happy. Y'all's church is so happy and strong and you got so much. How do y'all do that? You don't say, well, you got to pay the price. Other folks are playing. We praying. Got to be spiritual. Yeah, I got to thinking one day. And I come up with. That's how you go down. Did you hear me? We didn't read it all, but when Daniel came in and he had to answer that morning for the king's dream, you know how he kicked the thing off? He said, it's not me. It's not me, but the God in heaven is revealing this to you. And it's not because I'm wiser than everybody else. It's for our sake so we don't die. <laughs> and it's for your, and it's for the king. How I many know when God gives you the excellence, you got to talk right about it and you got to give credit to whom credit is due. And not take the credit for yourself and act like you're so smart and you figured it all out when you know you were scratching your head and didn't have a clue till God showed you. And when he does, you say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Well, how'd y'all do that? The Lord showed us how. And he'll show you too. There's wisdom, plenty of wisdom for all who will ask and believe and receive. Can you say amen? And finally, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 
1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Anybody know what's coming here? Huh? 1 Corinthians 12 and 31. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, be hungry for them, desire them. And yet, show I unto you a what? A more excellent way. And what's the next thing he starts talking about? The love of God. The lo- How many understand? One translation says, the most excellent way. The NIV says, I show you the most excellent way. The Amplified says, I'm going to show you a still more excellent way. One that is better by far and highest of them all. What is the most excellent way to deal with everything? In love. And that shouldn't be surprising because God is love. So when you're doing it in love, you're doing it in God. And there's nothing not excellent in God. Everything He is, everything He does is excellent. Right? So when we pray in love and we greet people in love and we bless them in love, we give to them in love, we preach in love, everything we do is in love. And we're looking for the wisdom of God. He's going to show us better and better and better and the best ways to do everything until we just come in smiling and things just get improved and they keep getting better and they keep getting better and sharper and stronger. And we just come in, look at each other and go, excellent. God, you're so excellent. Your ways are the best, the very best. You know how to do everything just right. You do all things well. Until people are not just look at you and impressed, but they see God in you. And they are so impressed with God in your life. In the excellence. Some of the societies of the past. I was. Have y'all got a minute or not? Except for the grace of God, I would not be before you here tonight. Who knows where I would be? Because I had a plan far different from this. I was going to be a fighter. Full contact karate. (laughs) Sometimes people look at me and go, you're kidding. (laughs) No. And... I became at an early age, I'm talking about 10 years old, enamored with Eastern discipline and the excellence of some of the tribes and some of the generations past. A person would devote their whole life to the art of making tea. Everything had a purpose. Everything had its place. And people would get so good, that person would get so good at making tea that it would look like a song or a symphony and it looked totally effortless and they could just look at you and smile while they did everything perfectly. People became excellent at their job. I mean, they'd begin training from a child. And one thing I liked about that particular branch of the martial arts, every kick, every block, every move, you practiced it for years and decades until it was perfect. People in different parts of the world used to live like that. People that had some concept of excellence. 
that if you were a seamstress, you were a seamstress. And you didn't do any shabby work. You wouldn't do any shabby work. No matter how much anybody paid you. Because this is not just what you do. This is who you are. And every stitch you sew has your signature. If you were a craftsman, you worked with wood, you worked with metal. It wasn't just your job. It was you. Are y'all with me? Most of the world has lost this. People through the industrial age and people come and they punch in and they have no excitement about it and they rubber stamp and box it and ship it and I'll be glad when work is done. And here's the worst part. You can't live like that day in, day out and not bring it into the church. You don't just get off work and show up Sunday morning and flip a switch and you're a person to whom excellence is of the utmost important to you. Nah, you're going to be just like you were on Monday afternoon. But I have a vision inside myself of a faith life church. Where people love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as they find their call and they find their grace, they have no problem devoting themselves night and day to the excellence of that particular ministry and that flow. Because it is unto the Lord their God that they do it. Are you with me? And it makes no difference if it's cleaning a piece of carpet or if it's preaching a sermon or anything in between. It is my ministry. And I magnify my ministry. And I treat it with the respect that the things of God ought to be treated with. And I don't just rush in and throw it together at the last minute. I pray about it for weeks. I think about it. I write it down. I ask God for the best way to do it. I believe for the wisdom and His excellence comes up and comes out. And we do it in a manner worthy of God. Is this possible? In this generation, in this day and age, people are so devoid of respect and honor. Is it possible? It's not only possible, it's the only thing worthy of God. Do you know what I mean by that? Anything with the least bit of slipshoddiness to it is beneath what our God should receive from us. Right? So God has heard our prayers. Hasn't he? We have hungered for this excellence. We wanted to see how to do things his way the best way. And he's heard our prayer. And he's shown us that it's through his wisdom. That he's going to show us the more excellent way. But we must not forget about it tomorrow morning. Right? Or the next day or next week. And we must not think any task is too menial or small. Right? But we approach everything. And we give it our all. Our whole heart. Our whole mind. Our whole soul. Our whole strength. Right? How do you know when you're there? At perfection. Now a lot of people will tell you it's not attainable. That's a lie. 
In this world, everything is flawed by the curse. So in one sense, there's nothing perfect without flaw or blemish. Everything is. But that's not what the Bible means when it says perfect. The Bible, when it talks about perfection, is talking about God looking at the heart. And the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth. What's he looking for? He wants to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. And this is how it works. you got the Holy Ghost in you. The spirit of excellence. And you begin to do something. And you're not satisfied with it. So what do you do now? Well, I've got a lot of stuff busy. My That's good enough for the church. Man, that's cuss words to me. What do you do? Lord, I, that's the best I know. But I ain't satisfied. Show me, please. Show me the more excellent way. Show me how to do this. Show me to do this in the way that glorifies you. And you do it again. And that's better, but... Now what do we do? I'm busy. I got to go. No, 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 no. What do you do? You stay after it. And you believe and you pray and you do it. If you have to, you redo it until you'll come to a place where... People might be able to find some nitpicky thing wrong with it. But in your heart, you go, yeah, 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 no, that satisfies me. Yeah, yeah, and I believe we can do better maybe tomorrow or the next day. But today, I feel good about that. The Bible said, if I had time, I'd teach you, I don't. But the Bible says that is what God calls perfection. It's not measured on the outside. It's measured inside you. In your heart. And that being true, you can do things perfectly every day. Can you say amen? amen? Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.